Good morning, everyone. If you'll stand with us as we sing together, How Great Is Our God. so not sure James chapter 3 the entire chapter is where we'll be today the power of the tongue the power of the tongue regardless of how you feel today Jesus is still alive Satan is still defeated and the kingdom of God is on the move and God's church is praising the Lord today And his people are at work, and the gates of hell are not going to stop the Lord's church. As we seek to see what the Bible says, what James says, the Lord says through the book of James, about the tongue. By the way, the book of James is very, um, it focuses more on the disciplines walking with the Lord, what we should be doing, really then, uh, more specifically than any, any other book. We've, just in our brief journey, we looked at suffering, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the test, testing of your faith produces perseverance. We looked at um, wisdom. We have not because we ask not. We need to ask God for wisdom without reproach, and he will give it. We saw that good, we, we talked about one Sunday, the sin of partiality and how we can take the role of judge off of our to-do list. We can be free from that responsibility. And then last week we looked at good works. Good works are a fruit of a walk with Christ. They're not optional. If you love the Lord, you do good works. And then today we look at the power of the tongue. James chapter 1, we're going to start verses 1 through 12, and then towards the end of the sermon, we're going to go back and read 13 all the way through to verse 18. So, if you're physically able to honor the reading of God's Word, please stand. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. 
If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would fill our cup with your word. Lord, would you speak to everyone as individuals? God, I pray, Lord, that you would use your word to break the strongholds in our lives. Lord, your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So God, I pray that today there would be freedom that takes place. Healing would happen in these moments. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. The first part of James chapter 3, he gives us a reminder that teachers will be held accountable. They're going uh, to be judged with greater strictness. It's important that if you teach, you need to understand that. The reason that I teach the Word on Sunday mornings and try my best to do so is because I'm responsible to the Lord, not you. I'm responsible to God Almighty for preaching the Word. And if you were up here, you would be responsible to the Lord for the same. Same goes for your Sunday school class, your small group, whatever you teach. It's important to know that God cares greatly about teachers and preachers. How many people on TV or in churches or in the workplace act like they're experts on everything? You see those preachers that, or those teachers that always seem to know the answer. They always seem to know exactly what God knows. They have an answer for everything. They're an expert. They, it's like they're the only ones that truly knows how to be a Christian. Beware of those people. They are like wolves. If your time in the Word puffs you up with more knowledge, then obviously you're not reading the Word with the right heart. You're piecemealing Scripture to accomplish your own purpose, to make yourself look like an expert. The more that I study the Word, the more it reveals my ignorance rather than my knowledge. And if that does not happen, then I would say, You need to be warned. 
The best t- type of learning sometimes is watching from example anyways, isn't it? Not necessarily by what someone teaches. Our colleges, you spend $60,000 to get a degree over four years. And what most people learn is by watching others. We need to rethink our education system. There in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble, what he says, he is a perfect man. You see that, those, that phrase, a perfect man? It means to be a full-grown Christian, to be an adult. Mature believers should act like it and should talk like it. There was an eight-year-old little boy, and he was asked a question. Has your little brother, who's two, has he began to learn how to talk? And the eight-year-old replied, why does he need to learn how to talk when he can holler? He already gets what he wants. And sadly, maybe some parents didn't teach their children to stop hollering along the way. And we have people that are adults today that act like children. And most of those people on the outside of the church walls thank the Lord. But I think when it comes to church unity and... uh, I'm so thankful to be at a church that, that is unified, that is moving forward, that does love people of all types. But I think a wise man said that the Lord is more concerned about a termite from within than the woodpeckers on the outside. And that's so true. You know, it's not going to matter what people on the outside think about us, especially if we know that we're serving the Lord, we're honoring the Lord and doing what's right. We need to make sure that we don't have termites creeping in from the inside. You say, well, what if somebody attacks me or if someone talks about me? Shouldn't I defend myself? No. When you follow the Lord, you act like the Lord. And what happened with the Lord himself? He was arrested, beaten upon, spitting upon, and the word prophesied from Isaiah. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. You see, if somebody talks about you, if your heart's right and your motives are pure, the Lord will fight for you. He'll give you favor. He just wants you to respond like Christ. You see, people that are immature believers, they want you to fight on their level. But the Lord, he expects you to act like an adult. Billy Graham said that even if you get in a fight with a skunk and you win, you still lose. And that's so true. That's so true. There's great wisdom in being silent. You know those people that really love the Lord and they're somewhat, sometimes uh, they, don't just, they don't say a whole lot? There's a lot of wisdom in that. You know, fish that keep their mouth shut never get a hook in their lip. Isn't that right? James says that perfect man is able to bridle his whole body. And then he gives some examples talks about the bit in the mouth of a horse. If you control a horse with that bit, with the reins, you can guide the whole body. But what happens if someone lets go of the reins? You know, that's like horse riding 101. Do not let go of the reins, right? Because if the bridle is not tight, if the bit is not tight on the horse's mouth, he'll run away and he'll be dangerous, that's how our tongue is. If we do not control it, our body will, will go in all directions. Then James says, talks about a forest fire. 
is set ablaze by just a small fire. You know, it just takes a one cigarette butt to set thousands of acres on fire. As I read that, I thought about Smokey the Bear. He said, remember that phrase, remember only you can prevent forest fires. And that's so true, spiritually speaking as well. You don't play with fire, you won't get burnt. Your mom ever teach you that? So we should respect the forest. We should respect the animals. Respect all the trees. And not set a fire on our camping trip when it's been a drought all summer. Right? We need to use common sense. Well, same things happens in the church. You see, sadly, we respect nature more than we respect people made in God's image. If you talk about people that are made in God's image, it offends the Lord. They are his creation. God's very own children. If you talk about them, they've been adopted by the blood of the Lamb. You think it offends the Lord when you talk about his children? Absolutely. In the Old Testament, if you talk about God's man or God's woman, he would kill you. And it's happened before. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, they lied about giving something to the Lord and they were taken out. Now, that's a rare occasion. I don't think that would happen today, but it could. This tongue is a serious thing. It takes years to build people up, right? Years and years and years. And then just five seconds to tear them back down. Has that been true in your life? As I was studying this sermon, I felt like healing, the word healing just kept coming to my mind and to my heart. And, and I, I believe that God today wants to do some healing in your life. I want to share a verse with you. Psalm 107 verse 19 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. So maybe it's from your childhood that it was your father or your grandfather that said some words that just ripped you apart, and you still have not dealt with that. Is that possible today? Maybe it's from something that happened in middle school that you really have never opened that place of your heart up to the Lord to heal. And maybe it's been 20, 30 years. God today wants to heal you. He wants to heal. Maybe it was from uh, a workplace incident. Maybe it was something that happened at church. Maybe it was at a restaurant. God wants to heal you today. He wants the brokenness inside, to be healed. He wants to set you free. We have to open that up to him and let him do surgery on our hearts. We have to want to be healed. And then he talked about a rudder. A little rudder steers a large ship. Isn't that amazing? A large ship with a small rudder. That's how our mouth is. Friend, the Lord hears it all. He hears it when you're not in the sanctuary, when you're at home, in the car. And he expects, if you are a born-again believer, to act like it, to talk like it. We all have an accent today, don't we? Some people have a New Orleans accent. If you go watch LSU play football uh, this fall, you're going to hear Coach Ogeron. He's going to be talking like this right here. Let's go hit somebody. And uh, if you if you are from Boston... 
you're going you're gonna to have that Boston slang, which I can't talk like. I'm not from Boston. If you're from central Mississippi, you're going to sound like a hick from the sticks like me. That's where I'm from. And you just can't help it. That's how you were raised. It's just inside of you. We all have an accent. But more importantly, as believers, we should have a Jesus accent, shouldn't we? Parents, how many times do your children, you pick up on things that they say, that you said, right? They repeat after you. We should be like that with our Father in heaven. We should talk like him. We should be like him. We should have a Christ-like accent. At the end of the day, the tongue is a heart issue. Jesus said in Matthew 15, But things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. This is why we should be careful what we watch on television and hear on the radio and what podcasts we download because what we continually put into our ears and to our eyes eventually makes its way to our heart. I think the Lord can defile a man or woman more through commercials today than anything else. I feel like I have to cut commercials off when my kids are in the room because they're so filthy. And that shouldn't surprise us. That's how the world is. Lost people are going to act like they're lost. That would be you and me if it weren't for Christ, would it not? We were in a movie theater. We don't go to the movies very often because of the obvious. They're expensive. You just be patient. You'll get to watch it one day on Redbox for 99 cents. But anywho, we went um, recently, and the most vile thing in the whole movie was spoken, and everyone in the theater just burst out laughing. And my wife was so mad. She said, what about all those wives? What did you think they, they were thinking when their husbands laughed at that comment? And I thought to myself, well, if they don't know Christ, they probably thought it was just as funny. That would be us, friend, if it weren't for Christ transforming our heart. Believers should be different. We shouldn't laugh at the same things that people in the world laugh at unless it's appropriate. If you're following the Lord, you're going to have more fun than anybody else anyhow. But the tongue is so powerful. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. You know that the tongue is, a, is condemned more in Scripture, the abuse of the tongue more than alcohol? Self-righteous Pharisees who can't keep their tongue in check is more dangerous to the church than a drunkard, according to Scripture. Proverbs chapter 6 says that things that the Lord hates, he gives the famous list in Proverbs 6. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. The Lord hates that. It does not make him happy. It upsets him, especially when you start messing with his bride. He takes it personal. During this time as we're examining James, the book of James is so brutally honest, is it not? You read through the book of James, you're like, ouch, it hurts because it's so personal. It's this personal Christian living. It's that mirror that you put your life up against. Does that, does your life match up with that? Does your tongue, do you, do you use it more to hurt people and harm people and to tear down 
than to build up. Then James, after he gives those illustrations, he goes, verse 8, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I'll skip verse 6. The world is a tongue, the world is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. I read this actually. The tongue is set among members, starting saying the whole body, and then verse seven. This is where I was trying to find. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed by man. You go to the zoo, you see people hanging out with lions, and now they're trained. But you see, you go to SeaWorld, you see a killer whale taking instructions from a little small human. Isn't that amazing? One of our church members is here. Dave Harville told me a story about a bird. He told his niece that uh, if he came across a bird, she wanted a bird. He said, well, if I come across a bird, I'll get you a bird. I'll keep it. Well, he went deer hunting one day, walking down a power line. Now, when I heard this story, when Dave told me this, I didn't really believe him. Okay? Just know that. But uh, he was walking down a power line, and, and Dave saw this strange thing. He saw a bird from a distance, so he walked to get a better view, and the, the bird was in a tree, and he saw that bird. He got up to it, and he, he did his hands like this, and he whistled at that bird. And that bird flew out of that tree and landed on his shoulder. I know you think this is crazy, but I've been to his house, and I've seen the bird. And that bird is still alive at Dave's house. Rode home in the truck with him. Can you imagine that? Now, that bird probably escaped from PetSmart in New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe that bird came straight from heaven. God can do that, by the way. The point is, is that that bird is tame. But our tongue, it's difficult to tame. Have you ever thought there have been a season in your life where you're you're growing spiritually, you've got good accountability in your life, you're part of a healthy small group, your church family, you're learning the word, you're growing spiritually, uh, you're seeing some fruit in your life. By the way, there's all kinds of seasons we go through. Sometimes we go through the valley, sometimes we go through a good season, that's just life. But maybe you're in a good season, and then one day, you type something on social media and you hit the send button, and as soon as it goes out, you want it to come back. You ever been there before? Or you say something, and you get home, and you scratch your head, and you say, now why in the world did I say that? Men are worse about this than women, by the way. We, we just sometimes rattle, and then we get home, and we just are upset with ourselves. See, even if you're growing and you're spiritually strong, you still, your tongue can get the best of you. That's why we need to daily lay our tongue on the altar Give it up to the Lord. Say, God, would you use this mouth to bless your name? God, would you use this mouth to build people up, not tear down? Verse 9, if we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. 
My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Wow. Friend, today, is your mouth more like fresh water? Is it more used for refreshment and encouragement to other people? Is praise on your tongue today? Now, our tongue should be salty and seasoned with speech, but sometimes it's too salty. Have you ever been to a restaurant and the server, maybe it's their first week, and they come to your table, and they just start talking, just rattling on forever and ever, and you can't even eat, you can't even order. And they fill up your glass of water or whatever, and then one minute later, can I fill your glass up again? Sometimes we can be like that. We can talk too much. We can be too salty. Sometimes we have false motives. Sometimes... Our speech may be more flowery and unnecessarily because we're trying to earn favor. We need to let God give us favor. We bless God with our mouth and then curse his creation. I have a poem I like to read. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate instill. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. Is that your life? Is that my life? If not, it can be. Do you know that? God wants you to know that you are responsible, I am responsible for the words that proceed out of your mouth. Sometimes we think that just because we disagree with people, that we can't be unified. If you saw the news this week, you saw that George Bush and Bill Clinton, who are very opposite, spent time together in a forum, and they consider themselves friends. What in the world? Very different. They disagree on very many different things, yet they can still be called friends. They can still have common uh, things that they agree with. Are you able to look at people that you disagree with and still love them and still call them friend? James says here in this, this chapter that we should be open to reason. Are you open to reason to work things out? Billy Graham had a friend, Charles Templeton. You may have heard of him in the earliest part, earliest part of the 20th century. He was a famous evangelist, and he was more famous than Billy Graham. Billy Graham was just an afterthought uh, country guy that didn't know how to speak at all from North Carolina. And Charles Templeton was the most sought-after guy to come preach in the churches. Charles Templeton became an atheist. He turned from the Lord, became one of the leading atheists in America. And the news media just went berserk. And they kept putting it out there that Charles Templeton leaves the faith. And, and, and Charles Templeton would say things about Billy Graham and, and call him foolish and publicly. And Billy Graham, not one time did he respond. You know what he said? Time and time again, he would refer to Charles Templeton, my dear friend. Wow. Can you say that? about people that you disagree with? 
Mature believers can. You know, it's not too often that I regret my silence. And it's difficult to put your foot in your mouth if you keep it shut more often. May we be a people that use our mouth to build up, not to tear down. Psalm 39 verse 1 says, I said I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I want us to turn quickly to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. I have a copy of it, so don't feel like you have to. Isaiah 6 is a vision that Isaiah had. Isaiah chapter 6, the first five verses, I'd like to read it. We're seeing what's important about the tongue, if it's important to the Lord. Hey, it might not be important to you, friend, but it's important to the Lord. You might be asleep right now because you don't care about submitting your tongue to the Lordship of Christ every day. But he's concerned about it if you're following him. So let the people that want to hear the word hear it. Isaiah chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. This is bizarre. It's really cool, actually. Verse 3, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. You see, Isaiah came to face to face with the Lord. And look at his response. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know what's humbling? You know what causes you to submit your mouth to the Lordship of Christ? Seeing his glory. Realizing who he is and who you are and his expectation for you and me to be holy, set apart. Now, the reason we have so many salty tongues in our world is because of verse 13 through 18. Now, let's look at it. Here's the reason we have so many forests set afire by a filthy tongue. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There are one billion Facebook users, I call it bookface, but Facebook users in the world. One billion. And scientific studies have proven that the more time you spend on Facebook, the more you are depressed. 
it's proven scientifically to cause you to be more sad throughout your day. Yet 70% of its users log into Facebook every day. This is the definition of insanity, to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Now, if you go out of here and you blast Facebook as you walk out these doors and you've missed the sermon, you missed it. I told you what the preacher said, we shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. Friend, Facebook is not the problem. We are the problem. Here's why it causes sadness. By the way, social media can be used for good and for bad. We should be a part of the former. The Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology finds that not only does Facebook cause depressive symptoms, these go hand-in-hand with Facebook, but the mediating factor seems to be a well-established psychological phenomenon called social comparison. People put up their best pictures. People are going to put their best pictures of the grandchildren, aren't they? People are going to make it look like their life, like they know what they're doing, they got things figured out. And so what causes the sadness? When people get on there and they scroll through and they begin to compare their life with other people. They begin to compare their house with other people's house. They begin to compare the paint color on their walls with the other people's. They begin to compare their friends to other people's. They begin to compare their flower bed with other people's. Friend, take off that off your job description. You do not have to compare your life with anybody else's. You are the only you, and God expects you to be like you. Nobody else. You are special, and God has a plan for you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Envy and jealousy is the cause of most gossip, most depression, most conflicts in the home, in the marriage. And on the rare occasion there's a conflict in the church, envy is most often the cause, jealousy. So, it's easy to read through this and start thinking, well, I know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so at my workplace, and hey, look at yourself right now. Let's take an examination. Do you compare your life ever? Without realizing it, comes second nature. Do you compare your life to someone else's, your home, your marriage, your kids, your yard, your clothes, your social status to other people's? You see, the Lord, he wants to work in your life right now. He's talking to you. And what you think about other people, that's really not going to matter in eternity. He's more concerned about you He wants you to be free. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to be healed. Teddy Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. That's so true. Just relax. You don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. HGTV has contributed to this too. Hey, those countertops are going to be out of style and two years. Have y'all seen the clothes that people used to wear? 70s folks? The clothes that we wore in the 90s? I mean, things, style changes. It's not going to matter what your house looks like, what clothes you wear. 
So we sang it earlier, Lord, give us clean hands. Can that be you, you today? The Lord wants to clean your, your heart and renew our spirit. He wants to turn our mourning into dancing today. Will you let him do that in your life? The reality is maybe something very tragic happened in your life. Maybe it was from a previous marriage. Maybe it was from an aunt or uncle that just really damaged your heart with their words. Friend, I want to tell you something. The Lord, he can heal. It may take time. But today can be the first day of a new beginning in your life. It's never too late to do the, wrong, do the right thing. And today, let that begin for you. Here's a verse to help you. Write this one down. Psalm 30, verse 2. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. Got it? Psalm 30, verse, verse 2. Lord, my God, I called you for help, and you healed me. Don't you want that for your life? I know this text is about the tongue, but... As I studied it, the Lord just impressed on my heart brokenness. People have broken hearts. And I believe on every row today, there's a broken heart. God sees that. He wants to heal you. Does your mouth sow peace or strife? Does your mouth sow positive vibes or negative? If it's Only you know if it's been used to hurt and damage today, you can confess that to the Lord. And you know what he'll do? He'll forgive you. He'll pick you up, clean you up, remove it as far as the east is from the west. Don't you want that in your life? To be healed? To walk in freedom? Every head bowed. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. We're going to go into a time of invitation.